Hi. Today I want to press pause in our conversation series just for a little bit as we turn our attention to something that's God's laid on my heart at least over the last few weeks and I want to hopefully encourage you with where I'm at and hopefully help you find a way to navigate where you're at. And so I know in this season many of us are trying to do the best we can with the limited resources we have. Many of us during this time are responsible for leading others. You might be responsible as a parent for leading your children, or maybe in my case, I'm, I'm leading a church. Maybe you're a businessman or businesswoman that's got an organization and, and there's people there that you're trying to lead and trying to encourage. Maybe you're at, at work and you've got colleagues around you that you're trying to do the best you can to be positive and help them through the journey that, our, that all of us are facing. Maybe you're at school and you're trying to lead others and, and help others in this space. I was talking to Dan and Sue the other day and they're uh, regularly mentoring leaders across the nation that are struggling in this incredibly difficult time. You know, sometimes we are just need to be leading ourselves to a place of strength because everything that we know at the moment seems to be out of whack. Um, our, our health system, which is probably the most significant one that's affected the whole globe, is, is still uncertain, uncertain times. Our financial systems, maybe as an employer or an employee, maybe, um, well, we know our, our nation's just reported a, a massive debt and they say we're into recession. And so all this financial systems seem to be a mess. Our educational systems, I understand you might be at school in year 12 or at university or in between, and yeah, our financial systems, you're Zooming, not financial, um, our educational systems are all uncertain. Maybe you're at school and you're wondering, well, are we going to ever go back to lockdown again, homeschooling? There's a whole range of things. As a teacher, you're wondering what's coming up next. Um, our, our families are under enormous strain at the moment. And maybe right now, you and your family, you're just going through some stuff that you, you, you can't identify, but there's a strain that's on your family or upon your marriage or upon your friendships. And on top of all the stuff that we, the uncertain stuff we're facing at the moment, you know, um, people are then looking to us. People are looking to us for hope and inspiration. They're looking to us for stability and confidence. And I've found at times that when people look at us, it can be tiring. It can be overwhelming. And so maybe you've found yourself, like I have from time to time, unsure of what to say, unsure of even what to do. Sometimes it can feel that your prayers are inadequate. Sometimes it feels that your best attempts to feel positive and faith-filled, sometimes it seems they're a little bit shallow. Or maybe you're thinking, well, I need to be strong for my kids or my family or my, my, my employees. Maybe you're feeling you need to be strong, but on the inside, you're, you're collapsing. Some days you feel fine. Some days you pretend you're fine, and other days you just let it all go. You know, if you can relate to any of those levels, I think these set of messages will be really good for us. And for all of us, leading people through this is a difficult thing because we don't always know the answers. Sometimes we don't even know the questions we need to be asking to find the answers. We don't always know what to do. And then we can compare ourselves. I was talking just this week to another pastor, and, and he was uh, in a gathering, and some of them are just sharing some of the struggles and some of the uncertainties that affect us as leaders. And one guy was really positive. Oh, this is the best thing that happened. And we were, I, was, I was thinking anyway, wow, you've, I was sort of thinking, well, maybe something's wrong with me because I'm not, I'm not feeling as vibrant and as faith-filled as, as that guy. 
But you know, as we spent time talking and, and sharing hearts, I discovered that well he himself would say, you know, I'm he himself was feeling a little a little flat, a little fatigued. And so many of us as leaders at home or at work, many of us are just needing to make things up as we go along and, and that can be really unsettling because for our leaders we like to know what's happening. We need to like to plan it and put things in place. But this current season we find ourselves in makes it hard for us to lead as we feel we can. And so even though we know that God is good and God is powerful and we know that God uh, can make all things work together, we know this and we, we, we hang on to that. There's times that we can get too fixated on the stuff around us rather than the truth and the promise of God's word. So what do we do with all this? Firstly, I think admitting that we don't know the answers is a good place to start, whether that's at work or at home or at church or, or the, your friends at school, we don't need to know all the answers. You know, I think it's also important this, this series of message will, will show us the importance of being, being honest and being transparent. It means getting real, getting real with those around us. And I think it's a great place to start, but there's more we can do. And so the, the title of these uh, little mini series I'm doing is called Getting Real. Firstly, getting real with yourself then getting real with God and getting real with others. And we'll explore some of those things in the weeks ahead. But I really believe that as we can understand how to get real in, in this, this world that we're living in, I think that's going to help you lead yourself to a place of strength and help lead others. Because as I said before, all of us are leading. All of us have people that are looking up to us. And so a few weeks ago, God directed my attention to the books of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. And also there's prophets attached to them. There was Haggai and Zechariah. So we're going to be spending a bit of time looking in those books. But before we do that, we're going to pray. And so, Lord, I just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you that, that you are at work. I thank you that you're presencing yourself, uh, whether it's at my place uh, in Tingira Heights or it's in whatever town or city or car or whatever, wherever we're listening to this, wherever we're gathering, Lord, I pray that we will hear what your spirit is saying to us in Jesus' name. Okay, so let me set the scene for us. So the, 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 if you've been reading through any of the Bible in the year programs, um, you would have probably likely have read through Kings and Chronicles, and you see the rise and the fall of the nation of Israel and Judah in, uh, over its history. After King David came King Solomon, the kingdom then divided into two, and each of those northern and southern kingdoms had good kings and bad kings. And you find that through the prophets, God would speak to the bad kings and say to them, you know, guys, if you don't turn back to me, uh, that you, you will be captured, you will be taken into captivity. And we discover in 722 BC that the king of Assyria came and took hold of Samaria, the capital of Israel, and they took him into captivity. And in 586 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar came and took uh, captive uh, the uh, the city of Jerusalem. And if you know the stories of Daniel, you know that when Nebuchadnezzar came, he came and he took all the uh, the, the, the elite people, the royal um, family, the, the, the educators, the, the cream of the crop, and he deported them into Babylon. And uh, that's where they were exiled for 70 years. And the prophets would speak to the, those in exile and say, God hasn't forgotten you. God has a plan for you. God will bring you back. And so... So that was so we find the nation of Israel in captivity in Babylon. In 536 BC, King Cyrus of Persia, the Persian Empire, took over the Assyrian Empire, 
And in fact, there were three returns from exile. The first one was 536 when King Cyrus allowed Zerubbabel to return to Jerusalem with about 50,000 people to start rebuilding the temple. In 516 BC, that temple was finished and dedicated. And that's the story of Ezra. You'll learn a lot about that. Um, but in 455 BC, when, when Ezra did come back, they had a spiritual renewal and the nation started to get excited about the things of God again. But not everything was going well in Jerusalem. In fact, that's why and when we come to the story of Nehemiah, because um, the, the nation of well, nation of Israel or the nation of Judah was in trouble. And so Nehemiah uh, chapter 1, we'll start in verse 1. Firstly, let you know, the work of Ezra and Nehemiah, it's actually one book. In the Hebrew Bible, it's a single book. It was authored by Nehemiah. So we're doing his story. So these are the memoirs of Nehemiah, son of Hakilah, in the late autumn, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Susa was the winter capital of the Persian Empire. And if you have a sneak peek at verse 10, we'll get an we'll explanation to what Nehemiah was doing there. In verse 10 it says, In those days I was the king's cupbearer. So here we find the Persian king Artaxerxes. He was the most powerful man in the world. And the cupbearer's role was to spend every waking moment he could with the king, tasting his food, drinking his wine, just to make sure those things weren't poisoned. And so the cupbearer had an incredible role. He was incredibly close to the, to the king. He had great respect of the king. And in fact, the king would often bring the cupbearer into his confidence. He'd be listening to the conversations that are happening around the war rooms and the table. And so Nehemiah being a cupbearer to the king, he had a great political position. He had a great relational position with the most powerful man in the world. And uh, I'd likely say that attached to that position, he had the wealth and success that came along with such a high position. And so here it is, Nehemiah in Susa. Um, uh, and he was about to have a conversation that would change his life forever. In chapter 1, verse 2, Hanani, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and asked how things were going in Jerusalem. They said to me, Things are not going well for those who returned to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The report from back home wasn't good at all. What was once a strong people, a strong nation with a strong economy, strong faith and a strong future was now struggling just to survive. This was a major crisis uh, for Nehemiah and for the Jewish nation. And so for them, Jerusalem signified the religious, the economic, the, the spiritual center of their world. People were troubled. They were uncertain. They didn't know what was going on. They were discouraged and living in fear. They felt helpless and hopeless. And as I, as I look across the globe today, something seems to resonate with me regarding what they were facing back then. <clears throat> it really brings me to the point of this message. Things are not going so well in Jerusalem or Melbourne or America or India or the UK or or in uh, Crossroads. You, you, you can place it or in, in my school 
or in my family. I don't know what it is you're facing with at the moment, and it could be COVID-related. might be totally independent of that, but maybe you can look at your situation, your world, and say things are not going so well for me. And so if that's you, I want us to look at how Nehemiah responded when he heard the news. When he, got, when he gets up every morning and checks his news feed or watches the, the TV and, or on the internet, the, the, the constant bombarding of bad news, of, of, of massacres, of, of, of health crises, of, of governments, of war looming. As he hears all this stuff, what does he do with it? And what do we need to do with it? In verse 4, when I first heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Here it is an amazing verse. Nehemiah had prominence, he had influence, he had position. People looked to Nehemiah. People were hoping that Nehemiah would be able to fix it. He's the, the cupbearer to the king. And so what did Nehemiah do? Did he hold a press conference and toughen up and put on a brave face and, and talk about his foolproof strategy to solve the problems of the world? No, didn't do that. Did he, did he have a timeline for this to be resolved? Here, here's our three stages. It'll all be better. No, no, it didn't. Nehemiah didn't have that. Could, could Nehemiah see into the future and, and look down the lens of the camera and say, you know what, everything's going to be okay? He couldn't do that. So what did Nehemiah do? He did, he did two things. We're going to look at one uh, this week, and we're going to look at the next one next week. But the first thing Nehemiah did was that he got real with himself. When I heard this, I sat down and wept. Nehemiah is a, is a, is a man of incredible stature and leadership and influence, and he, he had a strong feelings. And so we discover Nehemiah was someone who was not afraid to share how he was feeling with others. He starts by acknowledging his emotions and, and acknowledging Nehemiah wrote this book, so he wrote this about himself. He said, you know what, when I heard the news of the crisis that is happening around me, I just wept. It was too much for me. He, he felt emotions and he acknowledged to me, maybe you can relate to this, maybe Nehemiah felt sad. Maybe he felt overwhelmed. How can I fix that problem? Maybe he felt afraid. Maybe he felt unsure. Maybe he felt troubled. Maybe he felt frightened. Maybe he felt frustrated. Maybe he felt anxious. Maybe he felt lonely. Maybe he felt insecure. Maybe he felt not good enough. Maybe, I don't know how, I don't know what he was feeling. I just know that it moved his emotions. And I, I just know there's times in this journey where where I'm feeling something and I can't exactly uh, articulate it. And maybe you're like that during this time. But what I like is that Nehemiah didn't try to sweep his emotions under the carpet. In fact, he didn't try to hide behind the, the, his position. He didn't need to put on a brave face. Remember, he wrote this book, so he wrote this about himself. Nehemiah was happy for you and I to hear that he cried, that he wept, that weeping is not weakness. And Nehemiah's example here encourages you and me, or certainly encourages me, not to ignore or mask how I'm feeling, especially when we're facing crises and times like that we are today. We do need to be careful that we don't get led by our feelings, otherwise we will go on an emotional roller coaster ride. 
But I want to encourage you, we need to be aware of our feelings. How are you feeling? How are you doing? How are you doing at home? How are you doing at school? How are you doing at work? How are you doing in your spiritual walks? I know many people are, are struggling just to, to get out of bed and maybe read their Bible or uh, some of the struggling. I've had conversations with people are feeling bad. They just they, they, they haven't watched church. They haven't connected or they didn't get to that event. And people are feeling guilty. They're feeling ashamed. They're feeling disappointed in themselves. How are you feeling? How are you dealing with the, the emotions that are on the inside, particularly when the world we're living in, there's just no clear answer that lays ahead of us. Firstly, I think we need to be aware of our feelings. Secondly, we need to take those feelings to God. And we're going to spend a lot of time in my next message looking at how we can take our feelings to God. We need to remember that that Nehemiah didn't stay anchored to his emotions. In fact, if you, as you read the story of Nehemiah, you'll see that God used him powerfully to rebuild the walls of the city. But Nehemiah knew how to take his feelings and he knew how to take his frustrations to God. And this is the key for Nehemiah. And this is the key for you and for me today. As we, as we face the news of crisis and uncertainty and despair, and as we start to, to tune into how we're feeling, what we'll discover is that when we take that to God, that's the only way we're going to get find peace for our troubled souls. People all around us, remember, we're leaders. We're leading people. We're helping people from family to friends. And they need us to be emotionally healthy. They need us to not be putting on a, a false mask and thinking, yeah, everything's going to be fine. In God, we know that there's going to be a good outcome in God. But the journey is going to be, it's going to be a journey. And so as we close this message this morning, I want you to think about how Nehemiah position, sorry, how God positioned Nehemiah as the cupbearer to the king. God placed Nehemiah at the right time, at the right place for a particular purpose. God placed Nehemiah in in captivity, in, in Susa, in the in the in the capital city as a as a cupbearer to the king. God placed him there to bring encouragement and hope to those who look to him. And God did that for Nehemiah. And in the same way, God has done that with you. God has intentionally placed you wherever you're at, in whatever role you have, whether it's a, a grandparent at home or whether it's a student at school, whether you're a pastor or a doctor or a teacher, whether you're a mum or a dad, whether you're a, a nurse or a programmer or a scientist or an accountant, if you're, whether you own a business or, a, or you're a counsellor or you're a carer or you're an engineer, no matter where you are, no matter what role you do, God has placed you there. And it's right there in that world that I believe people are looking to you and to me for hope and encouragement. They're looking to us to lead, help lead them through the emotional roller coaster ride that, that I'm sure that others are going through also. So my encouragement to you this morning is allow yourself to be real. Allow yourself to be human. It's time to get real with yourself. It's time to be honest with how you feel. When you feel good, and when you feel bad, when you feel sure, and when you feel uncertain. I want to encourage you, I ask you the question, have you got someone in your world that you can share that with at the moment? Obviously not everyone. Don't, don't just go to Facebook and, and say, I'm feeling really sad at the moment. That's not going to help you. You'll get some sympathy from some people. Most people will ignore you. 
I want to encourage you, if you're going through a struggle right now, if you're if you're feeling any of those emotions that I've talked about, and they're all emotions that I've felt from time to time, and I'm sure you have too, I want you to find someone that you can talk to about that. Maybe it's you in your connect group, maybe it's a close friend, maybe it's your mum or your dad. You know, how can I talk to my mum and dad about those things? Well, you can. They're there for you. Maybe it's a, it's a close confidant. I hope you've got someone you can talk to. Uh, we've got a pastoral care team that would be happily, would love to have a chat with you. If you're struggling with feelings and struggling to keep your, your head above the water at this time. Maybe if, it's, if, it's, if you're struggling, maybe I'd encourage you to call Lifeline. Call, reach out to someone. And if you haven't got anyone in your life, call me. Let me know that you're struggling and, and let us help you, get beside you, help you navigate through this incredibly challenging season we're in. But most importantly, don't just uh, bring your feelings to other people. What we learn is that we need to bring our feelings to God. We need to learn how to take how we feel to, to God. Nehemiah did this. He wept and then he went to God. And so when we learn to take our feelings and our uncertainties and our, and our fears and our worries and our loneliness and our, and our fog that we live in, and, and we learn to take all these things to God, we discover his presence and his peace in an incredibly personal way. And what we discover, as Nehemiah did, that you also find in the midst of God's presence, you discover his plans, his plans to see you through the journey and the battle we're in. And so... You don't need to wait to next week's message to, to learn how to take your feelings to God. You can do it right now. I remember um, King David, he would say in probably the most famous psalm, he would say, even though I was to walk through, the, through death's dark valley, I will fear no evil. Because, because you are with me. And what a great truth, no matter what, how you're feeling at the moment. And I know it can be hard. I know it can be daunting. I know it can be so uncertain. But I know that Jesus is with you right now. He's there. He's there for you to call upon. He's there for you to cast, Peter would tell us, to cast our burdens onto Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares about your feelings. He cares about your struggles. And as, as leaders, as influencers, I want to encourage you this week to, to find someone else you can talk If you're struggling, find someone you can talk to. Someone you know that's going to pray with you. Someone who is going to walk with you to God and lead you to God because that is where we're going to find the answers that we need. We're going to pray. So Father God, I just thank you for the time that people have given to hear my heart. And Lord, I just thank you that you are at work in me. Lord, even though I don't know all the answers, I haven't, I haven't got sometimes a clue on what, what's going to happen in a month's time. But Lord, I thank you that you're in front of me. I thank you that you're in front of our church. I thank you that none of this caught you by surprise. I thank you, Lord, that you are at work in people's hearts. And Lord, I pray that you help us to identify our hearts. Help us to be able to, through your Holy Spirit, to to recognize the things inside of us that are that are starting to, to take our attention away from you and, and your promises and your plans and your purposes. And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to learn how to bring our feelings to you, 
Help us to, if there's anyone who's lacking someone around them, Lord, give us the right people to talk to, that we'll be able to talk about the stuff we're wrestling with, whether it's home, in our family, or in our marriage, or at work, whatever it is, Lord, I pray that you'll help us find people to share that with, and then together we'll, that together we take that to you, and we discover in a very real way that we can take our burdens to you, that you will carry us, that you will strengthen us. And so, Lord, I pray that you'll help us in this journey, in this season, Lord, as we work through the next couple of weeks in this message series, Lord, I pray that we would discover how we can lead others. Lord, you've called us to be salt and light. And so I pray that we would be great influential leaders that are, that are when people come to us with uncertainty or questions or fears, that we can speak honestly and, and, and deeply and, and, and compassionately. But ultimately, Lord, our, our hope and our strength doesn't come from anything we have. It can only come from you. And help us to reflect that and tell others about that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for your time today. And I just really want to encourage you that, that God's with you. And it's so important that you take your feelings to God. And uh, as I said before, if you need someone to talk to, we've got a bunch of people who'd love to talk to you and help you and pray with you during this time. God bless you.